In the Aftarot Pashas Chukas, so the king of Bnei Amon sends to the Shlichim of Yiftach, Ki lakach Yisrael sartzi ba'alotom mitzrayim me'anon va'arayabok va'arayardein. The king of Amon complains to Yiftach that he wants the territories back that Israel conquered from Amon when they came out of Mitzrayim. At first glance, this is odd because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is explicit that Am Yisrael is not allowed to attack Edom, Moab, or Amon. So how could it be that they conquered lands of Amon when they came out of Mitzrayim? The answer is found in our parsha. Vayirash they conquered the land of Sichon, which is from Arnon Adyabok, till the Gvul of Amon. This is, this is exactly the territories that the king of Amon is referring to. In other words, Sichon conquered these territories from Moab and from Amon. And then Yisrael conquered them from Sichon. Yisrael was allowed to, to attack Sichon. They were not allowed to, to attack Amon. Since Sichon conquered these territories, so Yisrael was allowed to capture them in the war with Sichon. And then it brings the, the uh, Yom Ruha Mushlim, a Nevua or a Shira. Bo Cheshbon Tibanev Tikonin Ir Sichon, Ki Eish Yatsam Echeshbon, Le'avam Ekiyat Sichon, Nechla Ar Moav, Ba'alei Bamot Arnon, Oy Lecha Moav Gavarta Am Kamosh, uh, a, a poem that uh, refers to the victory of Sichon over Moab and Ammon. From this, uh, from this parasha, uh, the Gemara Gittin, Daflam and Zayin Beis, learns a very interesting concept. Uh, the Gemara there is talking about an Eved Shingishbab, a uh, slave that was captured, and uh, then somebody came and redeemed the slave, was pulled to the slave from his captors. So it says, If they redeemed him um, in order that they sh- he should be a slave, then he actually has to be a slave to the Redeemer. And then the Gemara asks, who, who did he buy it from? He bought it from the captors. The captors took it you know, forcibly from the original owner. So why are they allowed to buy it from the captors? Who did they buy it from? They bought it from an illegitimate owner. So the Gemara says, Amra Papa, Amon Umoav, Sichon. From the from our partial we learn that Amon and Moab became purified through Sichon. In other words, it was Amisah were not allowed to capture Amon and Moab, but since Sichon had already captured it from Amon and Moab, therefore Amisah was allowed to take it from Sichon. So from here we learn that when a a land is captured in war, so that become that belongs to the victor, and therefore since this, these territories belong to Sichon, therefore it was permissible for Am Yisrael to capture those territories. The Gemara continues, Here is talking about where Sichon was victorious over Ammon and Moab, where where non Jews did battle on captured territories of non-Jews. Ovid kochavim Yisrael alan. What happens if non-Jews capture something Jewish? Dechtiv ayesh b'menu shevi. So it brings another pasuk where a, we're talking about a Jewish captor, and over there also it's considered a captor. 
So this Gemara teaches us what's called Kinyan Kibush, that by conquering, one is actually able to acquire something. When uh, when a um, nation goes to war with another nation and they cop and they capture territories or people or or uh, or property, that beca- that belongs to the victor. It actually changes title. Uh, the Pneushua uh, views the the uh, the uh, concept over here as being parallel to that of a Goslin, and therefore he questions how it could possibly work. After all, regarding Zela. When somebody steals something, what, the Gazan is not Kona through Yush. You need Yush in Shina Rishus. Uh, it has to not only the original biome have to give up on ever getting it back, it also needs Shina Rishus. By, uh, when, when, when something is captured, so there might be Yush. But where's the Shina Rishus? How, how can the, the uh, Kenyan be affected if there was only, you know, some violent capture of something, but, but Isra Asliyade, it came to the victor, in a non-legitimate way. So the Pei Yeshua says, most of flee the heich efshel lomar the shabai ovid kochav mukana ha'eved biyush da kaimlan yush kadi lokani heich adibisra asul yare. And then the Pei Yeshua asks another question along the same lines: Afil vandama yush kadi kani, afil uachi b'karkos vaday lomani yush. Even if yush would work over here for some reason alone, nevertheless. Uh, you, sh- you don't have used by karka, because karka can't be stolen or taken away. Karka remains in its place. And the person that it was taken from always retains the hope that perhaps someday he might get it back, because they can't be taken away. So, since there's no use by karka, how could it work by karka? And the Gemara in Gitin is referring to karka as well. See, uh, Amon Vmov, Tirobasichon, is talking about territories. So, the Pneushua, who is looking at the Kenyan of Kibush as being something analogous to, to Gzela, and when he makes that comparison, things don't quite match up. Uh, the truth is that we can go along the direction of the Pnei Shua, however, not necessarily accept his, his questions. For instance, Yush um, Kedilokani, because a Gazan is, you know, is doing something illegal, and therefore be Israel Asayadeh, when he steals something, he has to return it. And since he has to return it, he cannot be Kona through Yush. However, if one's talking about the context of war, when two nations go to battle with, with one another, so there it might not be seen as illegal. That's, again, that's relationship between two different nations. And you're talking about two different sovereign nations that have legal rights that are, that are battling each other. One is the victor. That might not be viewed as something which is Outside of law, and therefore Yushkadi could be kana because we don't say isura asliyade when you're talking about the, the legitimate action of a sovereign government. So that's one possible one possibility. The second possibility, and but how how you have another question? What about what about land? What about uh, what about non-movable property? Their use doesn't help. So the answer might be that really you can have use by karka as well. But normally, somebody will not be miyayish by karka if it was stolen from him, because eventually, maybe the the Gazan will become less powerful, and you'll be able to take him to a court. He's not going to run run away with your property. The property remains there. Uh, however, when you're talking about a military victory, so over there, there might be total use even by karka. So one could accept the uh, analogy to Kinyang Zela with the differences that exist between. Cap, something captured during war and 
and uh, and something stolen, and basically it works through through years. Normally, Yush is not called it because Yisrael Asaliyade. Over here, it's seen as a legitimate action of a sovereign government, and therefore Yush can use Konev. Karka, normally there's no Yush, but here when you talk about war, something captured in war, over there there's Yush even by Karka. Adrashba takes a different approach. Adrashba claims that we're dealing with a totally different parish, we're not dealing with, with anything analogous to Kinyan Gzela, uh, and therefore Yush is not required at all. The Chazaka the Nachri, the Rashba says, la'alter. It's kone immediately, without yush. The Tedelacha. The Hamei Amon Umov Tiarbisichon Yafinanla. Vayibe Karka, the Karka Ba'amei in an exilus. Now he accepts the, the premise of the Teoshua that there's no yush by Karka. And nevertheless it works. So instead of saying, yes, there is yush by Karka within the context of war, he says, no, there's no yush. And nevertheless, Kibush is kone. Because Kibush is not kone. When, I'm sorry, uh, Gazan is not called a karka because there's no Yush. Uh, but a, uh, uh, a, a victor is called a karka even without Yush. So that's the, um, to my sinimi na dafil kodim Yush, hi derachmana amar delikni becheskas melchama. So cheskas melchama is called even without Yush. In other words, we're not talking about some kind of form of Kenyan Zela, but rather we're talking about a new parsha, a new Kenyan, a Kenyan of, of, of Kibush that's, that occurs in cases of military victory of a sovereign government. The Ravid in his Hasagas on the, uh, on the Rif was very, very troubled by this, this Kenyan, which, you know, is basically rewarding violence. So this is Kashli Tuva. How can you be Kona and Eved you know, for his work, for his labor, uh, by, by capturing him? If it would be possible to take the captors to, to, to court, wouldn't the court take it away from the captors? Can he say, I bought you? It was, it was done without the, the assent of the, of the owner. The Arik binei Matzla Doi Bidine, and let's say the captor, the 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 the, the captive would run away. Would Basin have to return it to the person who 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 violently captured him? The Chayiroshi Piruka Dhamilsa Lo Sparli Shapir. So I, I I really don't have a good answer to explain how Kinyan Kibush works. Ela Daamina Agavdorka the Had the Kanidei the Masayada of Hachi Kanidei. It was what the Ravid says is if he would run away, he'd be free. Or he would go to the original owner. We wouldn't have to return to the captor. But as long as he is controlled by the captor, so the captor has the rights to his work, to his labor. It's very, very strange. If Kibush is Kone. So, Kibush is Kona, and if he runs away, you return it to him. If Kibush is not Kona, what kind of rest does he have on his, on his labor? The, uh, the Dvar of Ram continues along the same lines as the Ravid, and he writes, The Kinyan Kibush ain't no Kinyan Olamis. It's not a permanent Kinyan. Because your kona only as long as you're in control, as he's as long as he's conquered by you. 
However, when you're no longer in control of the of the of that property, then you lose your ownership. And the person that was taken from doesn't have to buy it back. Because it was always the original owners. As long as it's under the control of the captor, he owns it. Once the captor loses control, it reverts back to the original owner. So what, what kind of a kinyan is this? It's very, very strange. Uh, in order to, to explain the, the unique uh, type of a kinyan, of kinyan kibush, uh, let's discuss maybe some other, other issues that come up regarding kinyan kibush. Uh, for instance, regarding kinyanim, uh, there's a concept called Kalsa Kinyano. Kalsa Kinyano means that if I do a Maisa Kinyan now, and I will not acquire something until a later date, there has to be some remnant of that Maisa Kinyan at the later date. For instance, if, I, if I'm going to something through Mashiach in another 30 days, then that object has to be in my Rishus, or something analogous to my Rishus, when that 30th day comes. However, if it's in Rishus Harabim, I will not be Kone. Uh, if I buy something with money in another 30 days, so even if that money disappears, the Kinyan remains because even though the money doesn't exist, the Chov exists. If there wouldn't be any Kinyan, he would have to return the money to me. So there's some remnant of the Kinyan on day 30. If I buy something with a Shtar to be Kone in another 30 days, and before that 30th day, the Shtar burns up, I'm not Kone because there's no remnant of the Maisa Kinyan on day number 30. So this is the idea of Kalsa Kinyano. Um, so what's the Kinyan of Kibush? The Kinyan of Kibush is, is conquering, the act of conquering. When I conquer something, I buy something. Let's say I wouldn't, buy, I wouldn't acquire it then, but I'll only acquire it later. For instance, um, according to many Rishon, we saw some Rishon say that you need Yush for Kinyan Kibush, and other Rishon say you don't. The Rashford says you don't need Yush, and other Rishon say you do need Yush. Right, the Pnei is talking about needing Yush. Now, let's assume that you would capture something on day one, but the original owner won't be Mishayish till day three. So, am I Kona or not Kona? So the, you know, how can I be Kona? Isn't there a Kulsa Kinyano? I, 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 uh, I captured something on day one. What remains of that Maisa Kibush on day three? So the Tosas Rush says, Nilifash, the Chazakat Hachamayim, the Chazakat Shal Kibush, Shekano Hagobi Meshes Shavo, Vayakovish Tachas Yado, Bishash and Siashua Bailim, Dumi da Amunomo of Tiobusichon. In other words, since it's still under my control, therefore I'm Kone. Um, so you could explain this in one of two ways. I think, I think you could say there's some remnant of the Kibush even on day, day number three, because he's still under my control. Or you can say, perhaps, that Kibush is not a Maisa Kinyan at all. But rather, Kinyan is a certain state of total control which awards me ownership. In other words, um, Kibush is not a Maisa Kinyan. Kibush is a state. It's a state of total control. It's a state of balas, rather than a Maisa Kinyan. Um, being covered, tachas yadu. You know, when you're talking about uh, in, within the context of a war and a sovereign government, so the the that that, that the melech or the government or the, or, the, or those soldiers have total control over the chavitz. In other words, in other words, de facto, 
it's theirs because there's no way that I can get it back. You know, if, if you, you know, I might, somebody else might have title, but that title is totally meaningless because they can't do anything with it because it's totally controlled and under the power and control over some other, some other authority. So, in other words, it could very well be that kibush is not a maizakin which gives title, but rather it's a state of ownership, a state of balas. We're not talking about a maizah, but rather we're talking about a state. And therefore, you can explain that according to Tulsa Sarash, you know, on day number three, you're still in control. It's not a Maisa Kenyan that you have a problem with Kulsa Kenyan on day number three, but rather what gives you ownership is that state, and that state remains on day number three as well. Whenever you kicks in, if it's still under the control of the Kovesh, so it will belong to him. So basically what we're suggesting is that Kibush is not a Maisekinin, but rather Kibush is a state of total control, which, give, which, which by definition is, in all practical terms, is ownership. Um, what are the differences between a Maisekinin and, and a state of ownership? For instance, regarding a Maisekinin, so you, you probably need Das. And the person who does a Maisekinin has to be a Bardas. Somebody who's a gadol, a bardas, a cheresh, a shot of a cotton, can't do a maizah kinyan. What happens by kibush? Do you have to? Do you have to your bardas? What happens if the if the melech of that government is a minor, and it, it doesn't? He's not a bardas, so there's no kinyan kibush. Or, or another example, what happens? Um, normally, you do a maizah kinyan, so you can do a maizah kinyan b'tsnai. The maizah kinyan can be contingent upon something happening or not happening. I am being kone, but tznai that you will do ABC. Uh, can you do my? Can you do a kibush al tznai? Can you conquer something but tznai? You know, if you know it rains tomorrow, so then I didn't conquer. But if it doesn't doesn't rain tomorrow, I did conquer you. You can't conquer something but tznai. Uh, kibush is a state, um, and either you're, you're kovish or you're unkovish. You can't be kovish al tznai. So, what I'm suggesting is that kibush. Is a reality. It's a mitzius. It's not. It's not. It's a mitzius of ownership, because of the total control that's created by kibush, as opposed to a gazan. A gazan is a person acting um, criminally, illegally, and he violently takes something away from somebody else. Kibush is a sovereign government acting as a sovereign government, taking total control of something that will be supported by the courts of that government. So what we're suggesting is that kibush might not be a Maisa Kenyan, but rather kibush might be a state of balas. And therefore, since that new state of balas is created, therefore the person who is in control is able to use that object. Now when one talks about a state of balas, what happens to the original owner? Do we say that since I'm in total control and a new state of balas is created, before you were the Baalim, and now a new, a new situation has been created. So, does that, is that mafkia, the ownership of the original person? Or, does that create a, does that state exist only temporarily, only as long as I'm in control, so even though you have title, I have, I, I have Baalim de facto. Once I lose that control, if the Evid runs away, then I might lose 
that de facto balance, and it might go back to the original owner, who has title, who has legal title. So that's exactly what the Ravid says. The Ravid says, as long as you're in control, you can use it, it belongs to you, my Sedaim belongs to you, 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 that's something that you have de facto. The second the, the, the Evid runs away, so he reverts back to his original owner who had title. Um, on the other hand, one could theoretically suggest that since a new state has been created where the captor is in total control, and that gives him, that creates a new state of Alus, that might undermine the original title, the title of the original owner who no longer is an owner. If de facto I am the Bailum now, so you no longer are the Bailum. And that could create a permanent state as well. Um, so there are two ways of understanding what kind of an impact this new state of Bailus will have. Does that new state of Bailus simply create some kind of a temporary control but doesn't give me title, but nevertheless, de facto, I right now am functioning as the Bailum for all practical purposes, and that gives me certain rights uh, as long as it's under my control? Or do we say that that total control, that being covered Tachas Yado, not only gives me temporarily rights, but is Mafkia, the original Bailus of the owner, which has become meaningless in the wake of, of, the, uh, of the total control that I have? And therefore, it belongs to me and not to him, which is, seems to be suggested by the Rashbah, who says that uh, you don't need Yush at all, and it totally belongs to the captors, and it sounds like you know that's a, it's not just temporary, but that's a permanent, a permanent state. Um, this way of understanding, Kinyan Kibush, might affect another question as well. There are some who shown, the Gemara there talks originally about uh, the captor, when he captures an Evid, he, all he has is Maisi Adayim. If a, somebody sells himself to somebody else, he can't sell himself you know, in, a, in an existential way. He can sell his, his, his labor. You know, I sell myself to an Evid, you own my labor, no, no more than that. Um, now, the Gemara in, in Kedushin says that in a situation like that where a owns the labor of B, so if if you want to free the Eved, you don't have to give him a shtar shichur, all you have to do is say, go free. Um, Eved ivri engufo kanoi, and therefore you don't need you don't need a shtar. You could simply say, go free. It can be done verbally. Uh, there are two ways of, of understanding how that works. The uh, Tosas understands that if um, all I own is the labor, but I don't own the person himself. So the labor that he will that he will do is something that is owed to me. It's a chov. When he does it, he owes it to me. It's not something that I own right now. But rather, when he works, I will get it. When you talk about a chov, I can be mochel on a chov. So how does it work? When I say verbally, you can go free, I can be mochel on my rights in you. I have rights that when you do labor, it belongs to me. I can be mochel on that chov. However, I can't be mochel on, on, on ownership. Something that I own, I can't be mochel. I have to be makne. I have to, I have to sell it. I have to be mafkir or makne. I can't simply be mochel. You can be mochel on a chov. You can't be mochel on something that you own. And therefore, Tosa says that since, you know, you have two possibilities. Either mechila or shtar. If you own the evidence himself, 
then the only way you can free him is to, is, is through shtar. Because you can't be mochel something that you own. But if you don't own the evid per se, all you do is to have, the work is owed to you. So since the work is owed to you, that's a chov. Then you can do mechila. That's how Tosas understands the uh, difference between um, gufo karnoi or kinyin l'masiyadayim. Uh, the Ramban has a different approach. According to the Ramban, uh, gufo karnoi means not only do you own the labor, but you own, but there's also a kinyin iser. There's a status of evid, uh, which the evid has, and in order to be meshachar the evid and take away that status, you need a shtar shechur. Because you can, by, by mechila, you can get rid of the kinyin mamon. But how you get rid of the Kenyan Isser? Okay, but that's a different approach, and we're not going to discuss the Ramban right now. Uh, going back to our case, if it would be true that the by Kenyan Kibush all you own is Masyadaim, so then we would assume that you don't need Ishtar Shechur. There's an interesting Ridva in Yuvamos on Daf Ben Mabamidbez. The Ridva is talking about the the ability of a king to enslave somebody who doesn't pay taxes. And the Torah says as follows, The people, is based on the fact that people living in a land that was conquered by the king are basically under the control of the Melech. And he owns them because he conquered them, because he, because he conquered that land and they're living without, in that land. So that control of, 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 of uh, Kibush exists regarding anybody who was living within that land. So the living in the land of this king that he conquered is on the condition that if you don't pay your taxes, he will sell you into slavery. By virtue of the king and kibush of the melech, they are bona fide avadim. And therefore they need a shtar shechor because they have a din of evet shegufo kanoi. It was the kinyan here is not masyadaim. The kinyan here is gufo kanoi. Uh, so the Bach wants to understand why the Gemara originally talked about the kinyan of masyadaim and in the end the Ritva is talking about gufo kanoi. And you need a shtar shechor and it's not enough to say uh, verbally that he can go free. So the Bach in your day Sim Reisam of Zayin writes as follows. It was the din of King Kibush gives you ownership over the guf. Because only in the before we knew that it was King Kibush, then we said it was only Masyadaim. But Because the captor owns the guf himself. How do we know that? Because that's what Kenyan Kibush does. That's exactly what we learned out from Amon and Moab. Why was Israel allowed to conquer the, the, the territories of Amon and Moab that were conquered by Sichon? Because, because Sichon became the total ownership of, of, the, of those Karkos. Because that's working through Kibush Muhammad and Yush, according to the uh, Bach, you need Yush as well. So Kibush Muhammad is able to affect a kin aguf. Well, if you buy something with uh, Kesef, you know, if you, if you buy somebody into slavery, all you want is the Maasiyadayim. Why should there be this distinction? So apparently, because when you're talking about the, the, a person selling himself, he can't sell himself. 
can sell his masyadayim, he can sell his work, he can sell his labor. He can't sell himself. Because, because that's the essence of who he is. He doesn't have a title over himself to sell himself. He has, he, there are things that he, that, that he has zechuyos on, but himself is his essence. On the other hand, kibush, you're not buying it from the person. Kibush, you're totally controlled over the person. And the person is kavush tachas yadcha, gufo is kavush tachas yadcha. So when you talk about kinyan kibush, you know, once the Gemara shifts, it says we're dealing with kinyan kibush, then the Gemara shifts from the understanding that it's only kinyan masyadayim to the understanding that the kinyan that we're referring to here is a total kinyan of Gufo Kanoi, which requires a Get Shechur. So just to sum up, we discussed uh, the uh, very unique idea of Kinyan Kibush, which is mentioned in the Gemara Gitin, whose source is Amun Vemoav Tiro B'Sichon, that Sichon conquered Amun Vemoav, and therefore when Amisah conquered the lands of Sichon, they also required the, those territories of Amun and Moab. Uh, so this is the idea of Kenyan Kibush. So we discussed how Kenyan Kibush works. Is Kenyan Kibush some kind of a more legitimate form of Kenyan Gezel, but it's working on the same paradigm, because those are the only two cases where you acquire something against the will of the original owner. So they're working on the same lines, conceptually, as Kenyan Gezela. Or perhaps it's a totally new concept. Gezela works... You know, for whatever reasons, uh, since uh, since the Torah wants to return the object itself, or the worth of the object, so the shchiv to pay the worth of the object, in case the object got, to, got destroyed or changed, gives you a kin on the object, so that you'll pay the, the for the replacement, rather than the object itself. So that might be the rationale for, for kinyan of a gazan. But kinyan kibush is working differently. Kinyan kibush is because when you, something is totally under your control, so that creates a new reality. That creates a reality where you de facto are the bilem. That reality where you de facto are the bilem might give you title as well, or perhaps it, give, it creates a certain state. And as long as that state is intact, you are able to take advantage of, of that bilem. But it's not title that was awarded to you. You never got title because you never had the consent of the original owner, and therefore, only when you have control can you use it. The second you lose control, the title will, will revert back to the original owner.